Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you. Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a great weekend. All right, let's go. I'm anxious, ready for football, ready to go. Yeah, we're all right. On Twitter, it's at Jay Cameron Show, and uh, I would just, I'm ready for game week, man. This game can't get here soon. Doesn't it feel so important? Everything feels really, really important right now. Like We are about to embark on a serious stretch. Here we go. It's almost as if the uh, the entirety of uh, this coaching staff and and the way we view them and the direction of the program is on the line in the next five games. And sitting around and and you know what? Over the weekend, enjoying via Schadenfreude uh, the failures of so many uh, that we loathe. I mean, it was great, but it doesn't replace the actual winning of games from your program. You don't live vicariously through others' failures and have that reach the same level of satisfaction that you have when your team actually goes out and wins a football game and proves that it's moved in the right direction. And now is the proving ground. Think of whatever you might about 4-3 and three to start and what got away, what didn't happen, or what did, and how well or happy you were, relatively speaking, with the start. Whatever side of the fence you're on, fine. But here we go. And it begins with an imminently winnable game, a game you have to win. That's not pressure. That's reality. You got to go win that game. You got to stomp Georgia Tech this weekend, and let's keep it moving, boys. Let's get with the getting, because now is the time to seize the opportunities. You went out and finished this year 9-3, and three. You will see an uptick in recruiting. There will be real momentum moving forward for Mike Norvell and this staff, and whether or not he makes changes in certain areas or not, the kinds of coaches you can attract at this point, all of that affected by the next five games. Big time. Big time. Players, coaches, all centers around this. They're rested. They're getting healthier at the right time. Practices are going to see, I think, an uptick, at least in focus and intensity. Here we go. You've got Miami falling to pieces, blood in the water, as they lose their annual rivalry game with Duke over the weekend. Then you see, of course, a Florida team that we know through the year uh, has really played poorly on defense and has been inconsistent on offense. That's at the end of the year, and it's here. We'll worry about it, but they're obviously – a team that, that you expect to, to get a win over here. In the meantime, you look at this. You look at that Syracuse team, and you know how difficult that game is going to be on the road. And obviously, you, you, we already know you, you should win the Louisiana game or else it's a moot point. So it begins this weekend here with this with this Georgia Tech game at home coming off a bye. Tech looked awful. They looked beat up. They looked forlorn. They looked inept, incompetent, impotent. You ought to destroy that team. I'm not saying you run away 38 nothing or anything like that. That's a huge spread to cover. I think if you play really well and you're focused and you're intent on running the football the way that you did against Clemson, I think you will win this game comfortably. And you need to. You need to. This could be the catalyst 
for a hell of a stretch and a lot of fun where we begin, I talk about it informs the way you feel about the program, the tenure of Mike Norvell, the staff moving forward, the momentum that you think you can garner. All of it happens right here, right now, beginning this Saturday. Noon kickoff. We'll be up early, ready to roll. Hotel Indigo, pregame show, 10 o'clock. Good times. T. Lizzie and I will be over there on the rooftop uh, talking about this game. Should be a lot of fun. And I, I can't wait to get started. I don't want to speed through it. I want to enjoy it. I want to vet it, talk about it, analyze it. I want us to have an opportunity uh, to, to, to treat this run like adults where you can be critical if need be in areas and people, oh, no, clutch my pearls. None of that. Let's be grownups about this. How did they do? And let's take it one day at a time and watch this group. It sounds like a cliche, but it's not. Let's watch closely how they build to what I think is going to be a good ending to the season, what I think is going to be a nice stretch of games for Mike Norvell and staff. Because I think you look back now and you look around the country, you see the inconsistencies, and you know, okay, we're not much different than a lot of other teams with the ups and downs, but also some of the things that we've achieved to this point uh, in some cases look better than they did at the time. For example, getting that win over LSU in New Orleans looks good right about now. That is a Tigers team that a lot of SEC teams are not going to be thrilled to play. And I might note, LSU gets a bye week this weekend, followed by a home game against Alabama. That'll be interesting. Now, would you pick Bama right now? Sure you would. Is that going to be a game you can't wait to watch, especially if they ended up tabbing that for a night contest at Tiger Stadium? Yeah, that could get interesting. Well, you won't be able to watch it because we're kicking off with Miami at 7.30. Well, you can watch it. We live in the modern world. You can be at a game while you have another one right there on your phone. These are mini computers, buddy. You're good to go. Not when you're watching along with me <laughs> well, and you... D-Rob and Aslan <laughs> from 7.30 okay. to the end well, of the game. Uh, hopefully our fans do that. That's but correct. I- I'll be checking you out say that hell LSU. No. You say hell no. <laughs> hell no, LSU and Alabama. No, sir. Uh... We're going to watch the, the ACC and ESPN plan which is to stack all the good ACC mm. games at the same time. Really absurd. Morons. Really absurd to have made that a night game. Really difficult, stomach-aching. They've got three good products, does yeah. the ACC. And by good, I mean either ranked or good brands for that Saturday. They're all playing in the primetime window. You morons at ESPN. You're on crack. You got Clemson and Notre Dame on NBC at 7.30 p.m., right? So that's already been fixed because that's Notre Dame's uh, home NBC, network and schedule. yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you've got Wake and NC State. Now, NC State doesn't have their quarterback, but that could be two ranked teams with still a fighting chance. Won't be much of a draw. I agree with you. I agree. Nobody's really going to watch that. Stuff that at 3.30 against Georgia and Tennessee. That feels like a sleepy nooner. Whatever. Mm. But then you've got the two brands of Florida State and Miami. And even though they're down, they still rate. They still are major brands, especially Florida State. You're going to put them against LSU and Alabama? as well as Clemson and Notre Dame? What the hell's wrong with you? You're going to make that your ABC primetime game. Yeah. How about you put Herbie and, and Fowler at noon down in Miami because there's nothing else playing at that time? You're going to go against something like Ohio State and Northwestern. Rant over, but that's ridiculous by the networks. Well, that's what they did, Tom. I wish, they did. I wish there was nothing else at 730 so the nation could watch us beat down. Beat that ass. But they won't be. They'll be watching the game that you're watching instead of the watch-along. You're getting too far carried away. We're looking too far in the future, Tom Wayne. We got Georgia Tech this weekend. I need you to bring it back home. We got Georgia Tech this weekend, Tom. Let's get focused on the rambling wreck from Georgia Tech. That's where we got to be, right here, right now. Feet on the ground right here, Tom. Stop looking about Miami. We're worried about them right after we get done stomping 
Georgia Tech. Well, once again, there is, uh, yes, all kinds of construction going on. I was like, what the Miami hell operation. is that in my ear? That's the sound of the rambling wreck getting fired up for a trip down from Atlanta so. to Tallahassee. I, I don't think so. It's a short jaunt, well, but I don't think they're eager to hop in the cart there and make the move. Can you hear that over the air? I did briefly. I, okay. I don't know if the others well, can. Well, it's in the shop. That's I'm because gonna, yeah. we, we've got the old shop next to us, yeah. the chop shop, yeah. and they're saying, all right, we need three new wheels. We need three new wheels and a new transmission. Really quickly, so the weekend that was, when you have a bye week like that, it's kind of fun to sit back and watch all the games. I'll tell you what, guys, do not take my Redemption Thursday wagers and bet your own money on these. Do, by all means, uh, enjoy the nature of Redemption Thursday, which is to uh, bet for charity. Because right now, I'm into you guys for a lot of non-perishable food items. I can't get it together on Redemption Thursday. I have a great week, then I have two terrible weeks, then a good week, and then an awful, awful week. Can't get it together. You know what I'm more consistent on now? These Moneyline NFL picks every week. I've learned a various trick on the Moneyline NFL picks. And that is anybody you suspect is in the tent of suspicion and is not capable of a consistent level of play, you've got to get rid of them. you got to get them out of there. Just don't even. So I didn't bet on the Bucks this weekend. I knew we were an unmitigated disaster. Falling to pieces. There's, I couldn't trust us to beat a Carolina franchise that just fired their coach, got rid of their best player and their best deep threat, and has no quarterback. And I sat there on Sunday morning looking at my money line parlays, and I went, can't trust the Bucks to win this game. And immediately it occurred to me that I was serious. I can't trust them to win that game. That tells you everything about the Bucks. It's like, you? No longer. Can't bet on you. Quarterback doesn't care to be here. You're terribly coached team. Offensive line's awful. Can't run the football. We got a myriad of problems. Not going to do it. Boom. Goodbye. So there's that. Then I started looking around at some of the other games, and I realized, I was like, man, if I can't trust the quarterback and I don't love the coach, they're immediately off. They're immediately out of here so we can get rid of that. So you whittle it down until you find like two or three things. Sometimes it's only a two-team parlay. Sometimes it's a three-team parlay. You're like, you know what? I don't trust the Jags. I don't trust the Jags to win that game, so I'm not touching the Jags. I don't trust... It ended up being that I said, I think the Raiders have to win. The Raiders are in a position, they have to win, and they have better players. I'm going to take the Raiders. There's one. Were the Dolphins another? The Dolphins were, and they made me very... Yes, they did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know me with the Dolphins. I kind of like them, and I did take the Dolphins. Moneyline parlay, Tom. They just got to win, baby. That's right. They don't have to look good doing it. So I had, okay, so I took the Dolphins. I'm like, okay, okay, well, I, I like that. I like that. But it's a, a fun exercise. You can really, you can think long and hard about what you believe about a team if you're trying to combine them on a money line parlay. Because these are just about getting wins. Who do you trust to win a football game? Don't trust the Packers to win a football game anymore, do you? I mean, they can't block anybody, no, and when, they can't run. When it was Heineke to start, I thought, ooh, maybe, maybe play some Heineke here. <laughs> It's just a fun exercise. Rodgers had 75 yards passing almost through three quarters. Uh, it's it's a it's a fun time. I just it's weird the season. This is why we love it. This is why we embrace it. I started the year feeling pretty good about college picks. I I can't get a college pick together right now. Not for a group of ten. If I bet 25 games on a weekend, I can do all right. But I've got to bet in mass right now. It can't be a low thing. I've got to go like any little like like I bet I took Houston to crush Navy. Good. 
because it's a game like that that I'm going to cover. And I had Tulane and that, you know. But it's a game like that I'm going to cover. It's not these other ones where you're like, I've got real conviction in that one. Oh, well, then you better run for the hills because you're not going to win it. I got burnt pretty hard on a Friday night. I, I was that guy. I played UAB against Western Kentucky. Yeah, but you got screwed by circumstance. Your UAB's quarterback the better side. Yeah, and they yeah, fumbled yeah, twice yeah, yeah. in their own territory. <laughs> yes, they did. And yes, you know what? Did. Western Kentucky put that together for a grand total of 20 points. Mm-hmm. That's how bad Western Kentucky is compared to UAB. Doesn't matter. You lost. You yeah. go home, sir. Ohio State forces six turnovers against Iowa, and Breeze has passed the total there. Tennessee wasn't worth watching, UT Martin, but I would note that Hinden Hooker did throw for three more touchdowns, no interceptions, 300 yards, 18 of 24. He's in the conversation. Maybe certainly. you should have just picked the Houston Astros on the money line four times in a row. For bitching the Yankees again. Uh, Clemson ends up benching DJ, and um, they don't really rely. It, you know, it's kind of funny. The the uh, the the club did kid or whatever. Um, they he, he completed two passes. I think it was. It yeah, was their defense that dominated. One of his incompletions was damn near a pick six. Mm-hmm. The way they called that game, I watched that start to finish. I, I watched a lot of that game. That game was nuts. It's they ugly. didn't put DJ in good positions. Now the fumble on the goal line's a killer. You can't have it. Can't That's a fourteen it. point swing. I I grant you, but they're going run run third and long pass. Run run third and obvious. Sounds pass. like the Bucks offense. Yeah, it did. It looked a lot like the Bucks offense. And then in the second half, you've got an empty possession to start. Shipley fumbles on the first play of the second possession of the second half. And then third possession, again, an obvious passing situation. He throws a pick, and you're like, you're the kid we're going to sit down. The, well, I don't plan, think he, they're an interesting team in the way they're coached week to week. Yeah, well, I, I think they're getting by, but it makes you all the angrier that we didn't cash in the chips there against Clemson. Could have won that t- against that team. Well, I mean, he couldn't have fumbled or thrown it to us once. Oh, not, not at all. Not on the road. At home, he's going to do that, Tom. At home. Syracuse managed zero points in the second half of that game. And the reason it bothers me is Clemson has now won 38 straight at home in the ACC. That's a record. Besting Florida State's 37. Son of a! We were the last team to beat them. I'll tell you what. If you're a Mississippi State fan, first of all, it's tough. It's tough to be a Mississippi State fan. But secondly, to have been outscored by Alabama since Mike Leach has arrived... Uh, 120 to 15, sir. You know how we used to talk about ownership? It's true. Jimbo owns Miami. A gaudy record against the Canes. I mean, I don't expect Mike Leach to go in and beat Alabama on the regular. But in three meetings under Mike Leach, they've been outscored 120 to 15. They scored in the last play of the game or else it's not even that. 120 to 15. Sweet Jesus. Sonny Dykes will be uh, praised as one of those guys that our fan base points to when other coaches have success early on. He's now won four straight over AP top 25 opponents. They're undefeated at TCU. That's a Big 12's fun to watch every week. Yeah, I like it, it more than the Pac 12. It's really yeah. fun to watch. Speaking of the Pac 12, that's a team that, you know, Oregon. Goodness gracious, uh, opening weekend, you're like, well, we don't have to pay attention to Oregon anymore. Well, all they've done is won every game since, and Bo Nix has actually looked like he knows what he's doing. So maybe Kenny gets the ASU yeah, job. He's, he might. He might. And that's going to bring me to something here. Another reason that I think it's of vital importance that we summon the greatness that's within at Florida State right now. Because I'm sure everybody saw it, but Alex Adkins is probably the leading candidate to get the Charlotte job. I hope he doesn't take it. That would be a bad career move. Well, there are those in the business 
who, who, who think that it's a great move for a 38-year-old guy because they're in a fertile ground for recruiting and they have money to throw at their problems. They want to be a better program than they are. The expectations aren't that you're going to compete to go to a playoff or anything like that. And, you know, it's 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 interesting uh, because Will Healy, who got fired there, started off well enough, and then it all went south. Um, and they're going to look at Alex Atkins and say, well, you know, when he left, we were all right. We were in the midst of going to our first bowl. Since he left, Charlotte's gone 8-18. Eight and 18. Maybe it was always Alex Atkins. That's how they're viewing it. Still, I mean, you stick around for another year or two, a group of five job is going to come available to you. There's no need to go to Charlotte when you've got better opportunities in the very near Sell future. Sell it, Tom Wayne! That's just a fact. Say it louder for Alex to hear you. If you're the guy who fixed this god-awful offensive line, and, and even it's making national waves when we had the national game here a week ago. No, I know. They talked about Herb how much Street better. And Fowler. Yeah. I mean, so you're, you're, this is important. Your stock continues to rise. A lot of guys in the industry – or in their 30s, they're anxious to become head coaches. They'd like to sooner rather than later. We know what happened. You look around. We've seen former members of the Florida State coaching staff take jobs as soon as they could. Not always for the better. I mean, that situation at UMass was certainly never going to work out. It was never going to be a good job. But So, I don't know. We, I, I think it's important, obviously, for Mike at this point, to win as many games as he can. That's a given. That's the task you're charged with when you're hired and paid handsomely. But I think it's different for I think it's it's important for other reasons. Besides the momentum of which I speak and the fan base views and the money that could pour in because of the successes and all that. I think you have to position yourself now if long term you're the guy and he's always been good about this in his or you know young career. You got to know that you might need to make some changes. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply to become the best version of yourself and you may lose a guy who's helped you get to this place where you're pretty well thought of especially if you go on these next five games and play well so let's say you got to start thinking to yourself, I may lose Alex. Hope not. Hopefully we can convince him to stay at least another year and give him another bump in pay, which they've already done. Give him, you know, uh, he's already got the title he could have. I mean, so, you know, so maybe you can. But you got you got a plan for maybe losing that guy. And then maybe you have to make a change somewhere else on your staff. You might have to make a couple changes. I don't know. We'll see. we got these five games to come to that conclusion. But I, I'm just projecting ahead here. I think we – we may see some changes. Well, it's all about this week, though, buddy. we got to beat Georgia Tech and, and well, start moving that ball. It starts with the game against Georgia Tech, Tom. It starts right here, right now the on answers, Saturday. The answers you seek are right around the corner. They for are. everybody, for us as fans, for but all then of us. also for the head coach about yep. what his staff is all about. That is correct. That is correct. When we went into the bye week, that was my mantra. It's my mantra right now. I'm sticking to it.
The answers we all seek will be found over these next five games. Funny how it boils down to that sometimes, especially in the world of professional sports, collegiate sports. Uh, you win or you lose. I mean, that's what's at some point. I mean, you get wiggle room early on and all those other things, but at some point it gets to a place where you say, all right, well, now, is what you're doing leading to where we want to go? Are guys put consistently in a position to succeed? Are those players who once put in a position to succeed good enough to garner victory? I think you look around the ACC, you look around at the rest of this schedule, and you go, yeah, yeah, in that case, yes. You're not playing Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, and, uh, you know, whoever you would, Tennessee in the next four, four or five weeks. You're, you're playing this slate, and this slate says yes. Well, it's why we were mad about the road game that I won't name anymore because mm. we're still angry about it. But and we're focused on Georgia Tech. And we're focused on Georgia Tech. It's the, it's the beast right ahead of us. Yeah. We're on to Cincinnati. And we're on to the rambling wreck. That's right. But you put yourself in a position to be rewarded. So go out and take the reward. We are so much better on the ground. That's what that Clemson game taught us, is that you don't have to necessarily trick your way down the field. Go take it. Just go be physical. More physical than the opponent. Go earn it. And that's something that they haven't done as well when you're talking about within the construct of 60 minutes and situations. They haven't rewarded themselves for the hard They've work. They've got a chance now, though, don't they? This is it. Yeah. You got you got a chance to clean it up during the bye week. Get healthy. Get right. Let's go. First class is always free at Orange Theory Fitness. New members, by the way, first month will be free with the purchase of a heart rate monitor. Get on it. You refer a friend once you've started and you realize how great it is. They're going to save you even more money. So uh, good times and uh, two locations in town. If you go, you get that heart rate monitor. You see what it's all about. Interval training, that's what they do big-time college football. It's what they do in the NFL. It's what they do uh, here in town at both Orange Theory Fitnesses. Fitnesses. Go check them out today, and uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. OrangeTheoryFitness.com to learn more. Man, you know, we were joking about the uh, Bucks a moment ago. I'll get back to FSU here in a second. But I, um, we got exhibition basketball this Thursday, by the way. This is true. Yeah, I'm excited. Thursday night. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, but I was, I was laughing because it's already started down there. And that is that, uh, I mean, they're going to have to fire Leftwich. They've gone from 31 points a game last year to 16 this year. I'm sorry. I don't care if you lost three-quarters of your offensive line, which you did. Um, you can't have two Pro Bowl wide receivers and the all-time greatest quarterback and drop your scoring in half. I agree. That you can't fire the quarterback either because, because that, he's basically <laughs> that dude yeah. is all about doing everything I possibly can to succeed, and he's not this year. Right. He's not committed to winning. Right. He's not. Period. By his own standards. Well, that's a given, and we certainly documented but that. I mean, when you miss a, practice, and then you're going to a wedding every other week, and then you're, you know, you that's miss a tough days circumstance, though, as an offensive coordinator that it you got to replace the O line, and then your dude doesn't look prepared week to week, and that's not on you because he's not around or he's not spending time with his teammates on the level that he needs to. But what is on you is the Bucks run the ball all the time, and there is nobody in the league that would look at this offensive line and say that's the answer. Correct. I'm just saying it's spaghetti. It's not straight line issues, you know. And, Correct. And I feel bad for Byron to a degree, but he's. Uh, I'm also fully aware that when you've got that many playmakers, and you don't make any plays, that that's on YouTube. Well, and the other problem you're having is they've gone 31, 21, 18, three. So it is getting worse every week. And 
that shows a complete lack of confidence and or awareness to what is working and not working. And we should be raving about that defense because they've only given up more than 21 points one time this season. They've only scored more than 21 points one time this season. That's the, the problem. Well, I agree, but I would also hazard this because I think you agree with this. They're not awesome against the run. No, they're but, giving up. They're 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 18th worst in the league. I mean, they're, they're you yeah. don't give up the run now. They're middling, but in a lot of these situations, these last few weeks is life and death on every possession for mm. the defense. That's yeah. no way. To, I mean, in this era of the NFL, you've got to get nine stops in a row to have a chance to be successful and win a game. That's crazy. That's way too much pressure in this day and age. Yeah, I was looking at those numbers earlier today. They've gone and in the run defense, 67.43 rushing yards per game from last year uh, at this time to 118.29. I mean, they give it up, and they gave up 173 yards rushing to that awful. I think you saw cracks of morale because they're saying for three straight weeks. So we're going to play the Falcons, the Steelers, and the Panthers without McCaffrey, and y'all can't score 17 to 20 points? Screw you. My man uh, earned his nickname again on the uh, like third play of the game. Oh, yeah. You shouldn't have brought it up last week. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what are we doing out here, brother? That is a dime. <laughs> as soon as he did it, I was like, oh, of course he did. Of course he did. I saw Ira wrote a piece on Warchant.com in which he used the uh, FPI Football Performance Index from which, ESPN. Which likes us, by the way, because it has us ranked number 20 in the country. Yeah. So. For all the ESPN hates us stuff. FBI doesn't hate us. FBI puts us in the top 20. I think these things are silly, generally speaking. I know this is an informative piece. It's just, here are the numbers. Think of it what you will. This is not his opinion, so I'm not judging Ira on this. But I look at these numbers, and I'm like, okay, so the game that they give us the best chance to win is the one this Saturday against Georgia Tech, and it's at 90.1%. I would put the Louisiana game above that. Uh, Having seen a little of Louisiana this year, stop that. That game would be above Georgia Tech. But that's fine. I mean, the, the computer's not watching the game, so I get it. It's just going off of these numbers that it spits in, uh, that you put in the computer and it spits out. Um, then it's Louisiana second at 85.7. It's interesting to me what popped out third was Florida and then Miami. Well, if we're judging the trend for Miami, there's no way that that would be accurate because the Miami game is a road game, Florida game is a home game. The Miami game, and just in terms of these percentages, 67 and 62, uh, the the oddity to me is watching Miami look like a team that doesn't want to play football. They've got a bigger problem on their hands than physical personnel, and the computer can't take account to that. So I don't think Miami feels like playing right now. Yeah, another reason I would have preferred a noon kick next week. Man. I mean. Yeah, they'll accidentally care when they go out there and feel a little bit of an energy. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't take care of business early. And and they'll see a real atmosphere, as Van Dyke has pointed out. They don't have those, but they'll have it this time. For Doak South, though, let's take over the stadium, Knowles. Let's go. Make the trip. It'll cost you 50 bucks to get in there for secondary market value, I'm sure. Those Miami fans are not looking to take in an ass-kicking that night. And then finally it has uh, Syracuse as the number one most difficult game remaining on the schedule on the road. And... um, Okay. I mean, I, I don't, I, how much Syracuse have you watched? Obviously, a fair we, amount, we, Yeah, actually. me too, me too. We yeah. both have, partly for a couple reasons. We, we had to watch one because we bet on it, the Purdue game, for example. I did. Oh, no, I just uh, watched it because actually in that window, everything else was terrible. It turned out to be a terrible. really weird game. But that was a great one. Yeah, yeah watch that one. 
Uh, obviously, this last one against Clemson. Mm-hmm. Uh, watch that. And then bits and pieces of all their other games. I watched the Louisville game yeah, I because I had to scout for Louisville for the site. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched this entire game because really in the 12 o'clock window, it's the only one I cared about this weekend. So I probably watched three and a half of, of Syracuse games this year. And I just, I, I, I think the best way to describe them is they know what they are. They play to it. They're buttoned up, but they're not impressive. I don't look at them and go, man, I'm really worried about this, this, and this when you face Syracuse. I'm not. No, what they've done is is kind of abandoned the Sean Tucker one is plan A, B, and C mentality. And that offense is more multifaceted. In fact, Schrader actually made two or three excellent throws in the first half against Clemson. They stopped trusting him, you know, to make really any throws. Uh, they, they got never Tucker, had the ball in the second half. They got Tucker involved in the passing game a little bit more than the ground game. I just they seem to be betwixt between in terms of their offensive identity, but they're gonna make you earn it, is what I'd say about that. I think if that's you show true. up like a bunch of a holes, you're gonna lose that game. Correct. And you're gonna be frustrated. About they it. make you earn it. I yeah. think that is accurate. They don't possess anything that I'm scared of offensively. I, I'm not saying they don't have a few players, you just named two of them, that are formidable and that we've seen and know about. We we do. But there there are no game changers, especially not out wide, uh, for Syracuse. And I, just depending on how well we're covering by the time we get it together and play that game, and we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of onus on this defense going over these five games. Because offensively, when I look at that schedule, I feel very good about what the Knowles should do. It's defensively that we have the question marks. And how much does Fabian Lovett bring to the table? How much of a difference does that make? I think a lot in some cases. and others, I'm not so sure on the back end. We'll see. Now, obviously... If you are getting them in obvious passing downs, then you can commit more bodies in the secondary and help out that way. And he should help you on first down against the run. If it, 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 I mean, that's he's a dominant figure. It ought to happen. Yeah, if you mix in a few stops, I think you should be out from in front or, or playing from in front in most of these games. But you've just got to be so much better in situations on offense. I mean, we're beating the dead horse, but that's what happens during a bye week. Because we are what we are at this point at 4-3. and three. You know the weaknesses. You know the strengths. All the fans out there, you understand it. You've seen it. There's enough evidence. It's not just about practice and what we see. They've got to be smarter. They've got to be better in key situations like red zone yeah. and third down. And they've got to stop with the self-inflicted wounds. If they do that, they're going to be playing from ahead in the bulk of these games. But you've got to prove that you can do that. And I think the first real test is not necessarily this weekend. This feels like it might be a Boston College type game I hope. where you punch in, punch Let's out, go. get to work. But then Miami on the road, again, it's a night kick. They've got some talent that they can summon. We'll see. But you've got to prove you're mature enough to handle that on offense because if you do, the defensive game plan's already good enough to handle that, to, to mix in some stops and let you play in front. I think the interesting part for me, I'll be watching closely, that is so long as Mike refrains from getting overly cute in the red zone, I, I will instead turn my focus, and I think the burden will be on, Jordan Travis to make good decisions. Jordan has to play better, too. And and that's kind of gone to the back burner here when we've talked about the problems during this three-game losing streak. Certainly not trying to pin it all on him. But he hasn't been great in this three-game losing streak. Not even close. And it's not because he's making disastrous decisions or he's turning the football over at a feverish pace or anything like that. A lot of times when quarterbacks are struggling, we have these obvious... Uh, measures to point to. We can say, oh, he's turning the ball over. You know, he's thrown five interceptions in three games. It's killing us. Oh, he's done this. What gets lost sometimes is when you go back and watch and he makes the wrong decision. It's the SAT test 
where it's sort of, oh, uh, you know, this answer is a better answer than that answer, but neither are wrong. You know, and what is most correct? Correct, yeah. and he's not always choosing that option. Well, and he's missing some guys too. Yeah, down the field, uh, two misses to Johnny against Clemson. One in the first half, one in the second half. And it's pointed out as some sort of great play. I saw it in the breakdown. Um, I think it was during the Clemson Syracuse game, where they showed it a deep shot. The ball's behind Johnny. If yeah, you, you know, yeah. if you put it on the correct shoulder, yeah. it's either going to score or you know you're going to be first and ten inside the 15 yard line. These types of things add up. Now the good news is those really bear out and show out against good football teams, good opponents. You know, those details are the difference when you're playing top mm-hmm. 15 teams Without in the country. Without question. You're not playing top 15 teams down the stretch here. So if you make a couple of mistakes, it shouldn't be a backbreaker. But if you make, like the NC State second half and first half, combine those two, eight to 12 mistakes that you can easily point to and say, you just found a way to not succeed on this play, that's where you could find yourself in trouble. And they've got to prove that they're over that. And Jordan's a big part of that. You're, you're right. He's a big part of that equation. Well, and, and I thought it in, the, in real time when we were looking at it, and it's been a little frustrating, um, but... At the same time, there have been other things that you could point to that mattered more, and so we tended to concentrate on that. We would we'd say, "Oh well, this was a killer, or this is a problem," and I and I think that some of Jordan's, I, I guess, lack of execution or vision kind of got put on the back burner. But he's got to play well too if you're going to get to where you want to go. Which I I said last week, I'm hoping that they can go five and zero down the stretch. That's asking a lot. I, I provide for wiggle room, understanding that you might go four and one down that stretch. You ought not go three and two, and you sure as hell better not go two and three. And so, if you're going to get to that four win marker, let alone the five win marker, your quarterback is going to have to play better too. This should be a nightmarish offense for the final five games of the season. If you can run the ball anything close to what you did against Clemson, and think about who we're talking about there. So this should translate. Like it should follow up beyond Clemson. The receivers are much better this year. You're getting more of them back, and Jordan looks healthy. This should be an absolute nightmare for the final five opponents. And if they score less than an average of 30 points a game down the stretch here, that's a huge disappointment. It's a huge disappointment. I'm looking at the remaining games, and uh, I know we got to take a break here, but I, again, uh, you, you, you mentioned it. You're not playing a bunch of top 25 teams here. Yeah, I'll go through and give you what the Syracuse, by the way, is 40th in SP plus. Florida State's ranked higher than Syracuse. That feels right to me. Not everybody. Would I agree. agree with it's that. The, no, it's the circumstance where that game falls. It's back to back roadies after an emotional, and now it's a night kick. Which, you know, those hours matter too. Yeah. You're not getting home at four in the morning. Now, now we will be on Sunday. So I just that sequence makes yeah. it more difficult. If it was you're playing Georgia Tech and then you go on the road to Syracuse, that game feels a little bit different to me. Yeah, I can see that, but good teams find a way to overcome they those do. situations no, in, shoot, in win football games every week. Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Come now. Back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. Great to be with you on a Monday. I hope you're enjoying this beautiful day. I appreciate you sharing some of that day with us. Uh, I missed some things in the chat. I wasn't looking at the chat, Tom. Who did I miss? I want to make sure that I doff the cap. Thomas, thank you for your contribution. Did Thomas have a question before? He did. Winning four out of five of these games, uh, last games, will be ideal. This program's headed in the right direction. Go Knowles. Yeah, Thomas, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity to uh, cement 
uh, a feeling that we have. It's funny, I saw Dr. Birch this morning, bright and early. And, uh, of course, Birch Orthodontics sponsors some little headlines. And uh, she is diehard, isn't afraid to share an opinion, cares deeply about the status of the program and where it's headed or not headed. And we have these conversations each time I go in with the kids to get a checkup. And uh, she said, no, I still feel really good about it. I still feel really good about it. But she agreed with what we were talking about all of last week, which is it's an important stretch of games. There's just no getting around it, but it's you got to make you feel alive. It's not a bad thing. It's not like hyper-focusing on these games means that you've ignored everything that came before it, and now you're just going to base your decision solely on these five games. It's just accepting that all roads have led to this moment where we now see enough good and enough bad to where I can sit here for two hours and tell you all the positive things Mike Norvell has done, and we can have uh, a day in which we walk out of here and everybody's smiling, holding hands, singing kumbaya. I could also probably sit here over the course of two hours any given day and point out all the times he's made mistakes, and we've watched him have to mature on the job, which is frustrating, and the moments in time that players have let us down, and we all come out of here thinking that we're a nine-loss team in the making. We can do both right now based on his tenure. And that's fascinating. It's pretty pretty rare to say that, I think. I think Florida State's in a unique position because he was hired in a unique situation. So it's it's basically rendered very unique results where the pendulum shifts back and forth quite a bit. But I think over the next five games, you got a chance to steady it. Over the next five games, you got a chance to really make people feel very, very good or really unsure. Well, and there's a window of opportunity here that you didn't necessarily expect to have because you're talking about a slate of final five games in which you feel like you should win them all, at least four of them. In the preseason, I don't know that's how we would have mm. meted it out with mm-hmm. W's and L's. Your two in-state rivals are down right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, big time. Even with their first-year head coaches, the new car smell that comes along with that, they might be able to weather it to a degree in recruiting because they're still only completing year one. But this is a better situation than we thought we'd find ourselves in on the eve of November. This is a real chance to cement yourself as, hey, you know, in the race to seeing who's back in the state of Florida, you know who's in first place? Yeah, it's the Knowles. Not even close, guys. That's the program. If you want to stay closer to home, you go to Tallahassee. Look at what they've done. Look at how they compete. Look at how they fight. And yeah. look at how they you finish. You have a pitch. Sure. Look at how they finish the season, too. That's what could happen. Colby writes... If we lose one of these games, I'll be disappointed. You know, I think in a vacuum that's true. Woo! I think in a vacuum that's true. Thank you, Colby. Thank you very much. Um, I think any result, over, given the opponents, over the next five games, if we were to lose the game, would feel disappointing. Even Syracuse on the road. I'd be disappointed by that. But... In totality, if you go four and one over the next five and you finish the season eight and four, I personally would feel very good about an eight and four campaign coming off a five and seven campaign given the injuries they've had and the direction I think the program's moving. I also think more than my feelings, it's important that they do it. I'm not going to shy away from what I said two years ago now. And that is we were always arriving at a place that if Mike didn't have a big enough impact with results. I'm talking about results now, not process, that he might not ever make it 
to the end of a long run that we've all hoped for, that everybody hopes for when you hire a guy after you've been down in the dumps. When you're hiring a third coach in four years, you don't want to have to hire another one five years later. You'd like to see some sustained success that allows you to develop some traction. But if you don't, and this is what the stats tell us about all new coaching hires. This isn't unique to Florida State. When you get hired to a big brand name program and you have an opportunity to resurrect it back to its rightful place, at least in the eyes of fans, you have to. Now, he again ended up being hired in an incredibly unique set of circumstances. Uh, it hadn't happened in the history of college football. We had never been sitting around talking about what it's like to hire a coach in a pandemic. It, it, we didn't. We don't know. So you have to allow for that. You have to understand that that affects the you know upsets the apple cart a little bit. Got to allow for some of that. At the same time, we've never been in a situation where a coach was given as many get-out-of-jail-free cards because of the transfer portal, where you don't have to have an unbelievable class in order to compete. You could just go get Jermaine Johnson and change everything about what your defense is with one guy. So we're allowing for all of these factors that didn't exist previous. But what we do know is that the vast majority of coaches – that take over a a tradition-rich program, they usually find success within the first three years if they're going to make it. You see telltale signs of obvious progression, and it's usually rooted not only in a philosophy and a way that the kids have bought in and execute, fans as well, and dedication from an administration, but also legitimate on the field and off the field success in recruiting. You have to see signs of it. Now, you're seeing signs of it right now, but again, we get back to these five games and how much success you have over these five games will tell you whether or not it portends of recruiting success requisite to winning 10 games a year for the next several years. I'm not saying starting next year. I'm saying down the line, that's where you got to go. You're back to trying to win the conference, okay? that's Nobody would deny that's a goal. That's a starter's goal, by the way. That's, a, that's bare minimum, getting back to competing to win the conference. If you go 6-6, six and six, you're not getting the players that are going to allow you to compete to win the conference. And you're done. That's how it works. You may not be done next year. But you're basically a dead man walking. That's what I said two years ago, and I stick by that. I don't think he's going to go 6-6, six and six, and I don't think they're going to have a disastrous ending to the season. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you know if you're just looking at 2022, the 12-game slate, we're in the eighth inning of this ball game. We're ahead. you got six outs. You can, you, can, uh, you can rack up more runs if you want to. You can. You're Ask allowed to Padres do that. how difficult it is yeah. having to lead into the eighth with an opportunity to close. That's correct. <laughs> We, we need not allow Bryce Harper to go oppo on us here. Mm. you got to get six outs. I'm walking, Bryce Harper. You, your, setup, <laughs> your setup situation is the next two weeks, and then your close is the following three weeks. It's all, this is it. This is in front of you. This is, it's not unfair. It's not unfair to say, I expect to see you play more physically on offense. It's not unfair to say, I don't want to see you tighten up in the red zone. I don't want to see you tighten up with your fourth down decisions. We're past that now, especially Correct. against these teams. Relative talent, relative competition. This is where you got to go eat. No excuses. You got to go eat. It's fun. It's a great opportunity. And if you're Mike, you got to be excited because you've worked hard to get to this place it's where you reward. can go cash it in. It is the reward. Let's go bust that ass. That's the reward.
They bought in. You sold it. They did. They've worked hard. Go. Go get it. The schedule that remains is not overwhelming in the slightest for the talent that you have. It's challenging. There aren't, there aren't gifts out there. Oh, Louisiana might be, and Georgia Tech this weekend should be. But, but the others aren't. I mean, you got to go earn them. Get two rivalry games. We know how those games can go. I mean, ask Miami about rivalry games. Duke's out here on the regular showing up. Yeah, I know. And for the stretch, too, we want to send some well wishes up to uh, Wyoming for yeah, Troy Yeah, Troy, hang in there, buddy. I, I, Tom, I wasn't watching the chat, and so you just told me during the break. But, yeah, Troy, I hope you feel better. And whatever's going on with you having to go into the hospital, we wish you nothing but the best. That's for sure. Um, I know you brought up last week about the we should have bet on the Astros, called them the Yankees' daddy. Did you <laughs> yeah. did you hear this quote from Costas during the game? I, I did. It's fantastic. Yeah. Overall, the Yankees' daddy is pretty clearly the Houston Astros. On the verge now of eliminating the Yankees from the postseason for the fourth time since 2015, these two teams have played 10 games this year. The Astros have won eight of them. They've played 91 innings because there was an extra inning game. The Yankees have led exactly twice at the end of an inning. In 91 innings! Twice in 91 innings. Woo. Hour number two.